revenue growth that might be associated with people who are watching or want to watch the Football World Cup? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think they want to replicate what happened. I mean, I think when I was the 2018 World Cup, we saw Budweiser, um, those ads were pouring in every ad break. So I think they want to just replicate some of that, um, grab a bit of, you know, take advantage and expand a bit as well on some of the names that could potentially come through um, with that revenue. Um, and also we've seen a huge um, surf, uh, inventory stock up um, over the past while in terms of just decoders as well as we lead up into the World Cup um, later this year. Yeah. And, and I guess, I mean, for me, the, the two fronts at which they play this, the one purchases of content, and the broadcasting rights of that. And then similarly, I guess, an investment in working capital. Um, and, and I find it interesting because they, they sort of might have presciently anticipated that there might be concerns in supply chains in getting decoders in. So they've uh, kind of pre-bought some of these in anticipation that more and more people will want to be connected. Absolutely. Um, as we spoke about at length um, over last year, and as well as people who were just... Um, keeping up with the news, we know that last year we had huge supply issues. Um, and I think they just wanted to just alleviate, mitigate some of that risk, hence the inventory stocking up. And some of those risks, I mean, it might have eased a bit, but, you know, it's still not behind us in terms of just those supply issues at hand. Um, yeah, and we've seen um, a bit of just uptake as well. I mean, they, they do want to, they have mentioned that they've been an uptake in just a subscription. So I do think that they want to take advantage of that just leading up as well into the World Cup. Question would be, you know, whether this is sustainable, is it a long-term plan? So I think they would just be wary of that. Um, you know, tr- instead of just capturing a temporary rise for this World Cup, um, but as well just, you know, uh, making sure there's no churn over of these new subs- uh, uh, subscribers. And then lastly, I think they, they might have, you know, want to take advantage of the fact that they're the only broadcaster in the rest of Africa that will be broadcasting all games um, um. and as well. So they, they, I think they want to take advantage of that and uh, they're in a prime position to do so. Yeah, T- talking about taking advantage, many of the hardware stores have uh, benefited favorably from... Uh, uh, I guess load shedding because especially those who sell inverters um, and other alternative power supplies, um, it's meant many more consumers knocking on their doors saying, uh, yeah, I need an alternative to ESCOM. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, this has got a both positive and negative to it. I mean, as, as, um, and I mean, personally myself, I had to make another plan in just terms of just getting an inverter. Um, however, that does come at the expense of households, right? Um, on the on the other end, you see um, builders saying that you know they they have massive amount of um, demand for inverters. So, uh, positive and negative. I think uh, what we will start seeing as well with this uptick in demand is as well just an uptick in prices and further just you know uh, putting a wedge between those that can afford with the ability in their disposable income versus those that cannot and are left to, you know, sit in the dark um, and, you know, endure as, as we have these persistent um, load shedding issues. Sure. And I guess, I mean, the other question, Mark, that, um, you know, many people are going to be asking themselves is um, any assessment that MultiChoice might have shared about the competitive landscape because uh, things have changed considerably 
since the last Football World Cup? No, things have changed. Um, uh, for starters, you know, um, what we have right now is that um, they they uh, they have seen an uptick in revenue. However, they have come off the back of just a weaker rand compared to the dollar, and the rest of Africa is just pricing dollars. Um, although we've seen a surge lately um, from the highs of like 18 rand 30 until about 17 rand 47 right now, um, you know that does pose a bit of um, just the revenue risks. Um, what, as I mentioned earlier, you know, just in terms of that churn in terms of um, subscribers as well. And then lastly, just talking about supply constraints. I mean, um, sorry, second lastly, talking about the supply constraints. So uh, one wonders with this inventory uh, stock up there, you know, how will that feed into revenue numbers going forward? And then lastly, um, talking about just the local content. I mean, uh, earlier on you spoke about just a, a CapEx from their end, and they've done pretty well in just local content, and they, you know, but some of the risk in terms of just producing some content would just come from, you know, the rest of uh, the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus that have entered the African market, as well as the rest of Africa. Mm-hmm. And I guess, uh, you know, only time will tell whether or not um, as load shedding gets worse, we'll be confronted by uh, a need for much greater I guess penetration by some of these inverters, large and small, into the South African consumer market. It seems at the moment, I mean, we've had load shedding for a very long time and inverters have been around for a while. Why the uptick now? You know, I think it just speaks to, you know, uh, the resilience of South Africans trying to just make a plan in the midst of a challenging time. However, um, this shouldn't be seen, you know, um, personally, I don't think this should be seen as a, you know, a positive on the, because on the one hand, what we do have is just a challenge to manufacturers as well. You know, people that are trying to spur the growth of this country or rather corporates that are trying to spur the growth of this country. So as much as we've seen an uptick um, in inverters and, you know, like I said, builders and build it are benefiting from these um, this demand, what we are likely to see is just a challenge in terms of this, you know, a catalyst to growth in South Africa from um, manufacturers, especially once we have these higher stages of load shedding. Mm, mm. Hey, only time will tell how uh, this particular one unfolds. StatsSA put out uh, manufacturing uh, production and sales data for the month of September. What do you make? It seems uh, South African... Uh, automotive assembly recovering somewhat, uh, but also a lot of mineral-related manufacturing, uh, yeah, I guess facing considerable declines. Absolutely. Um, it was a bit of an up- upside surprise in terms of just the release today. Um, we've seen um, on just on a quarter-on-quarter basis, as you said, uh, motor vehicles were up, and they were rightly up 21% quarter-on-quarter. However, if you just, um, uh, you know, turn our minds back, uh, rewind the clock a bit. Uh, we will rem- remind ourselves that during April, we had the KZN floods. And, uh, you know, KZN is where some, and the Eastern Cape, sorry, and that's where, you know, the likes of Toyota are. Mm. So probably this is just on the ba- uh, base effects on just a, on a quarter-on-quarter basis. As well as last year, we mentioned supply chains last year. Um, so with semiconductor shortages happening last year, you know, un- some of these motor um, companies unable to just source parts, um, I do think, you know, if, uh, despite it being an upside surprise and a good number, uh, we should be wary that this is just basic fix from last year. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess how much will pent-up demand uh, on the retail and after-sales side of things mean for 
uh, some manufacturing activity out in the uh, automotive sector? I think they'll be very pleased with these numbers. However, uh, with the changing landscape in just the macroeconomic environment, um, they'll be wary about, you know, um, the long-term effects. We've seen this year over 2.5% increase in interest rates, and this is likely to have, a um, going into 2023, an impact on household consumption. And on the back of that, you know, um, what we will see as well possibly is just slower um, GDP growth um, for South Africa next year. What we've seen in the October release by the International Monetary uh, Forum, the IMF, um, they decreased their 2023 forecast for South Africa downwards um, mm. from two. So, you know, um, with this, um, it is likely just to have an effect on, you know, but, uh, oh, sorry, on growth in South Africa. But from just a quarter-on-quarter perspective, I do think this bodes well just from a Q3 uh, perspective. I mean, how, how ought we to make sense of these numbers? I mean, if anybody's out in the market looking for a car, especially even a used car. <laughs> I tell you how expensive those have been. Absolutely. And I'm quite interested in this because one of the things we also know in South Africa is that we do not import second-hand cars. So if mm-hmm. you're buying a second-hand car, in all likelihood it was imported in here once or it was assembled here in South Africa. So, so w- what will this mean, I mean, about, I guess, the future potential of prices for both new vehicles rolling off the line and second-hand vehicles softening somewhat? softening somewhat. We hope it will soften somewhat. Um, uh, you know, our, actually our South African CPI numbers coming out um, I think next week or the week after mm. that and I think we'll all be just watching because um, should, should prices stay um, at these elevated levels, what we'll see is further increases and like we say, you know, that just feeds into household disposable incomes, you know, being able, people are just going to have to stop stretching that, that salary a bit further um, you know, what we are mindful of and is a downside risk to this is just that, you know, we'll start seeing people start, you know, negotiating the needs versus, you know, substitutes. Um, and mm-hmm. that's where, you know, whether, you know, that's, that's where the second-hand market, uh, used vehicle market starts coming into play. Sure. Yeah, hey, it's one of those that uh, I always find very interesting. I mean, the implications of it. Maybe just the last one as we wrap up, uh, South African Boyki, Elon Musk. Hi, Elon Gota. Elon said, yeah, this remote working thing of yours, guys. I say, Benz, me, I want you here in the office 40 hours a week. Uh, yeah. Now, if that's eight-hour day, that's for five days, five full days, I need you here in the office. On top of that, I'll deal with these bots um, and uh, all of this nice kumbaya thing that Jack was running here. Nonsense, young alone. It's not going to continue to happen. What do you make of this? Um, yeah, he actually put out a similar statement at Tesla um, earlier in June this mm. year. Similar statement saying that, you know, um, we need you back in the office. And if you don't come back, just consider yourself fired. Oh. Um, you know, from a management perspective, I think, you know, people are stuck be, you know, between a rock and a hard place. So what you do want to find is depending on your corporation and, you know, what type of environment it is. For something like Tesla, where you do need, you know, that to bridge that gap with the consumer, you do want that in-person collaboration. However, for such a tech company like Twitter, what you do want to see is, you know, tech companies being at the fore of just uh, absorbed, mm. not absorbing, but adapting to technology, using it to the full benefits, you know. Um, what you want to see is out of something like Twitter is just, 
a message fading out that, you know, technology is there. We do trust in your product. Even if, you know, you do take it to a subscription level. Yeah, but um, subscription is half of future revenue. I mean, what do you make of that, Tumsani? I don't know. I don't know how much subscription revenues are. I don't think they have a subscription model at the moment. But I don't know how much I don't think non-ad revenue is as a proportion of all the revenue of Twitter. No, I personally also don't have that figure. But we do know... Um, Twitter doesn't have a subscription besides the $8 that they're going to charge for the blue stamp mm. or for Britic. However, just on a, um, I know we, I think just shooting from the hip here, um, advertising should be the, the biggest proportion. However, just coming back to that whole notion of work from home, right? I think we do need to start trusting technology, start trusting our employees. I mean, we should move to a out-based model. Um, yeah. And this is not just for, you know, tech. I mean, this is across... No, bro, this industries. is a South African from Pretoria. <laughs> all, all, all of this snowball thing you're talking about is... Yeah. <laughs> no comment, my man. No comment. <laughs> you're saying, ah, all of this uh, new age stuff you guys are talking about. Nah, none of that. But look, I mean, I, I do want us just to interrogate this a lot more because sure. I guess the whole point of social media has always been to make use of you know, um, what some people might call either a free service or a freemium service. So you start in free, you get certain layers of, you know, things that might be valuable. I mean, LinkedIn's an example of this, right? You you go in, yeah. you set you set yourself up, and then you have the option of going into segments of it where it has certain functionality that you can pay for. But in the main, I mean, if one looks at Facebook, Twitter, and the whole business model even of WhatsApp, it's always been about network effects from a free service. Um, and especially for Twitter and Facebook, making sure that you generate ad revenue from that. I mean, this idea of subscription revenue making up half of the future ideal revenue base for Twitter, uh, what, what is that going to mean for my user experience as a user? Um, so I do think, you know, shooting from the hip again, um, one needs to question whether he's trying to take advantage of, you know, um, the so usually people with blue ticks are those that are, you know, famous, got a huge following. So one wonders if he's not trying to capture and take advantage of that from that perspective. Um, and, you know, once you get traction from a lot more of, you know, those users interacting more, attracting more, and attracting more users, firstly, and then secondly, just attracting more advertising. So I would think that's, that's his angle from here. Um, mm. One, yeah, um, one would have to really just... In- Basically, one just needs to, you know, ask him, like, hey, Bafo, what's going on? So, yeah, Yeah. a lot of questions regarding Twitter. I mean, he's only been um, the the manager, the the, the leader for about two weeks now. So a lot has been happening, a lot of shows happening at Twitter, um, whether it's from just the employment numbers Mm. to a work-from-home policy. Um, So, yeah, very, very volatile uh, period at Twitter. Dumzani, We'll have to leave it there for tonight, my brother. Pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, sir. Tumsani Nguenza, analyst out at Terebinth Capital, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories.